This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here, NFL Draft Analyst for CBSSports.com. And you are listening to the first edition of what I'm calling the Prospect Podcast. I'm going to be talking NFL Draft Prospects every Monday throughout the college football season. I might ramp it up to two episodes per week, maybe even more um, during draft season from January to April. But for now, one podcast per week on Monday, just kind of recapping, going over some of the big storylines and observations that I made over the weekend watching a ton of college football like I do every weekend. Um, But efficiency is key here. I'm I'm not going to have this be a long podcast, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes at most, sometimes maybe 30 minutes, but that's definitely the maximum that I want to go. But like I said, this one is going to be a little different just because I'm going to go over the structure of what you can prepare yourself to hear every week. Um, I'm going to break it down into four segments. And the first, to me, is the biggest draft storyline to follow this college football season. Justin Herbert against Tua Tagovailoa. Who's going to be the number one overall pick? Um, Which quarterback prospect fits what system better? Who is better at doing um, what? Who's better down the field? Who's better with their accuracy? Who has better pocket presence? Who's better scrambling? Um, I, I actually wrote a pretty thorough breakdown running through all those categories on which I grade quarterbacks. Um, That's up at cbssports.com, published last Thursday. Um, You can search my name on there. You can probably just Google those two players together with my last name, Trapasso, um, and you'll find that. But every week, I'm just going to kind of talk about um, what I saw from Justin Herbert from Oregon and what I saw from Tua Tagovailoa from from Alabama. this week at CBSSports.com, I'm going to have individual breakdowns of Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. As the season progresses, I'm going to kind of alternate who I'm breaking down each week. We have a few other draft analysts, Ryan Wilson. We're bringing on someone else, too, who's also going to kind of help out. Um, and we're going to kind of go back and forth, really nitpicking and, and really diving deep into each individual performance for Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. This week, though, will be two coming from me, so I... I I think Justin Herbert um, against Auburn, a difficult test, had a much stiffer test, obviously, um, than what Tua Tagovailoa had to face. 
um, against the Duke Blue Devils. Um, I think Justin Herbert had a good game against Auburn. They lost. The offense got a little stagnant in the fourth quarter. But just looking at him as a quarterback prospect, I think a few times he looked a little antsy in the pocket. Um, but for the most part, was very patient, um, didn't see ghosts, wasn't running out of clean pockets. You saw the velocity, you saw the ball jump out of his arm, or out of his hand, um, was through pretty accurately on the run. Uh, so I think for an offensive line that, that has the most collective career starts in the country, I think they got a little bit overwhelmed. And I think with Derek Brown there at Auburn, Nick Coe, that they have some top draft prospects on that side of the ball. They were a little bit overwhelmed. He got sacked a couple times. None of the sacks were really his fault. Maybe one, I think he kind of ran out of the pocket, ran into pressure. Um, but I think he didn't have a performance that, you know, locked him into the number one overall pick, um, which would have been pretty hard for him to do in week one. But it was a strong performance. I think we're going to look back on it and say, hey, you know, he faced a really tough defense. I think one of the best defenses in the SEC that, that usually has a handful of good defenses. And he played well. Tua Tagovailoa didn't have to do a lot. I mean, the offense was a little slow to get going against Duke. I mean, it was 0-0 going into the second quarter. Um, and a lot of what he had to do was just distribute the football the short, on short passes to Jalen Waddle, to Jerry Judy. Um, but And I, I did see a few times though, that tendency that he has to throw off his back foot to not really stride correctly and, and his his front foot strides way to the outside and he doesn't have that big frame that can create a lot of momentum to to push the ball down the field. A couple of his passes were taking a little, you know, extra half second to get to its intended target. So not anything crazy concerning, but just something to keep an eye on as he starts to face better competition in the SEC, that he's going to really have to drive those footballs and, and rip those through tight windows. Didn't have to do that a lot against Duke. I actually thought Duke played pretty well. Um, I mean, 42-3 to doesn't look like they played necessarily that well, but especially in that first half, Made some defensive stops. I thought their defensive line, their linebackers played well. Um, There's just too much talent on that Alabama team. And Henry Ruggs didn't really even do anything. It was really Jerry Judy, the running game, and Jalen Waddell. Um, Tagovailoa was accurate. Um, there w- weren't really any blatant misses or a handful of them that would indicate that he's having any issues with his accuracy. He was the most accurate passer I watched last season. Um of returning quarterbacks, of course. So I, I think it was a good, per, good performance for him. But Justin Herbert probably had just because of the competition he faced, and a lot of people thought he was going to struggle. Um, probably more of a stock up type of effort than what Tua Tagovailoa had. Not a stock down for him necessarily, um, because again he wasn't asked to do a lot. But it'll really be interesting to see how these players just go back and forth all season um, as they get into their conference schedules. After I talk about Herbert and Tagovailoa every week, um, I'm going to talk about any big board movement. Uh, I, I do a top 20 um, during the season. So so any movement, up or down, really notable, a, a great performance, a sleeper who wasn't on my top 20 that had a great weekend, um, I'll talk about that. Or anyone that, that was pretty high on my draft board coming into the weekend that had a bad game or showed me some concerning signs that maybe moved down my board. Certainly, my draft board in September is going to be really fluid all the way through the season. And for a 
good chunk, especially at the beginning of the draft season. After we get um, to the Senior Bowl and the Combine, things won't be as fluid, a little more static. Um, but so there's don't really put too much into where I have these guys right now. Just a good reference point um, and a good way to, like I'm saying, to, to move guys up and down the board as the college football season rolls on. After Big Board Watch, I'm going to talk about wide receivers. I'm doing a wide receiver watch article every week at cbssports.com this year. Uh, I'm really excited about it because this wide receiver class is the best group that we've had since that 2014 class with Odell Beckham and Mike Williams, or Mike Evans, excuse me, uh, Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson. Just that class is the gold standard of receivers that don't have to that you don't have to wait two or three years for them to come in and produce. They can produce, and they did produce as rookies, and a lot of those have been not only the the most productive receivers, but these guys are the top three, four, five, six um, in terms of how high wide receivers are paid. So I think um, this group, headlined by Jerry Judy at Alabama, um, is – as good or can live can come the closest to living up to that gold standard of the 2014 group. Um, I did a wide receiver watch primer a few weeks ago on CBSSports.com, and in that I included outside of just evaluating what I saw from all the top wide receivers based on their 2018 film. I did NFL comparisons, and I'm one of the few draft analysts that really really like draft comparisons. I spend a lot of time on them. It's not just guys that are similar sized. My comparisons are almost purely stylistic. I mean, obviously size does kind of get baked in there a little bit, um, but. I just want to run through a few of those comparisons before the season, and, and these probably are going to change. Some will stay the same um, for some of the top receivers. Jerry Judy, Amari Cooper, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, Sammy Watkins. It seems like a bigger Sammy Watkins to me. C.D. Lamb, Allen Robinson, and that might be a little bit on the low end. Um, I think he's a little more dynamic in terms of getting down the field and a little bit and after the catch. I think he's a little better in that area. Um, Jalen Rieger, explosive wide receiver out of TCU, Stephon Diggs. Um, T. Higgins, Tyrell Williams. I mean, being 6'4", 200 pounds, downfield burner, great hands. He just really reminds me of Tyrell Williams, for who for a, a long time was very underrated until he hit free agency and we saw that the Raiders were willing to give him big money even after trading for uh, Antonio Brown. Henry Ruggs, to me, the fastest wide receiver in college football. I mean, Jalen Waddell, his teammate, is probably the second fastest in college football. Um, Henry Ruggs, Emmanuel Sanders, just a explosive, electric, downfield guy. Not just a go-route wide receiver. He can make catches outside of his frame with his hands, and you can throw him a slant and he can take it to the house. Uh, Colin Johnson from Texas probably would have been a second or a third round pick if he entered the 2019 draft, um, decided to stay at, at Austin, kind of gearing up for this big year for the Longhorns. My comparison for him was Mike Williams from the Chargers, just a big body, perimeter, uh, power forward, just great in those jump ball situations. And then Tylen Wallace, uh, Oklahoma State wide receiver who finished second in the Bolitnikoff last year. 
to Jerry Judy, he reminds me of another Oklahoma State wide receiver, James Washington, uh, which is a perfect segue into my last segment that I'm going to talk about every week. Um, I'm just going to talk about young players in the NFL that beyond writing about the draft, which that's predominantly what I'm going to be doing at CBSSports.com during the draft season and the college football season, I'm also going to be writing about young players at the NFL level. After scouting two full draft classes, 2018 and 2019, for CBSSports.com just makes sense for me to write my analysis of how these players are developing, whether it be someone like James Washington, who I was really high on, had him as a first-round talent, goes in the second round. He's seemingly primed for a big year in Pittsburgh. I'll talk about players that I really liked who are maybe disappointing or that are living up to expectations that I had for them. And then maybe even some guys that I didn't really like as much as the consensus who are exceeding my expectations and playing really well. Just a quick segment on some notable efforts on Sundays that I saw um, from players in their first and second year, maybe a couple guys in their third and fourth years, because I have been uh, scouting the NFL draft for a while, but the, especially the two drafts that I went deep on for CBSSports.com. So rookies and second year players. I'm just going to discuss what I saw from those players um, on Sundays in the NFL, how they're playing, how they're developing. So yeah, so that was it. A little bit under 12 minutes. Uh, I think that's good. Um, this it was Chris Trapasso. Um, I hope you subscribe to this podcast. I'm going to continue every Monday. Um, Monday morning, I'll most likely get it out. And then, like I said, during draft season, January through April, maybe two times per week. But during the college football season and the NFL season, Monday mornings, the Prospect Podcast. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening.